0: Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. We're sitting in Galway Bay on Maryland
1: Avenue, one of the stalwarts of Maryland Avenue, probably with two of the stalwarts of Maryland Avenue. We've got Sean Lynch, who is the general manager of the Irish Restaurant Company, correct? Yeah. And we have Anthony Clark, who has an E at the end of his name, unlike some other places where I always see it where they lop off that E, but who is one of the co-owners of the Irish Restaurant Company, which is the parent company of all of our favorite Irish and somewhat Irish places. You've got Galway Bay, Killarney House, Brian Baru up in Saverna Park, as well as Pirate's Cove down in beautiful Galesville. How are you guys today? Great, thanks for having us. Not too bad, getting through the weekend. <laughs> it, you know, it's 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 been too long. I know we've been trying to get together and do a podcast with you for a while, and um, and then COVID hit. So it was, so here we are. It's beautiful to be in uh, in in the area without masks and uh, getting back to what we. Hopefully, is normal and everybody can uh, sort of get on the road to recovery. So that's uh, really good. We just heard this morning that County Executive Pittman is going to be ending the state of emergency. Restaurants will still be able to serve outside in the county through the end of the fall. So that's all all good news uh, on the restaurant front. That's had a real difficult time. You know, certainly over the last eighteen months, for sure. I wanted to talk a little bit about Galway Bay and. Anthony, I guess you're probably the person to talk about, but this is the first restaurant of the, I don't want to say conglomerate, because this is truly a family-owned, you know, small business, but Galway was your first location, right? Yes, that's correct. And you took this over from, it was the Little College Inn, Old College Inn?
2: Little so, Campus Inn. So Michael Galway, who my partner, obviously not here today, but he, he was the one who found this property through... A, who became a very good old friend. Jack Steffi was a real estate agent. He was just walking up and down the street and met this guy, Jack Steffi. He brought him over, introduced him to the owner of the little campus, Angie Nichols. And that's where the conversation started. Michael pursued the lease and eventually signed it in July. And then Galway Bay opened in December of 98. Wow. Okay. So So that's where it all started from. I came along having worked with Michael before and Sean having worked with us both before. Came along a little later after that, but that's where the heavy working and heavy lifting happened. All that you know, that year coming into '99 to establish Galway Bay as a as a, a real Annapolis restaurant that was earned its place here in the community. Without without a doubt, it has now. What is your background in restaurant? I mean, I mean,
1: hopefully you didn't just walk down Maryland Avenue and say, you know, what? I think an Irish pub would fit real here. <laughs> I mean... Me, personally? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just curious as to what... I mean, is there a restaurant background or is there a business background that brought you into this? Because, I mean, you don't, it's not like you have other restaurants. This was the first.
2: I grew up in Ireland, obviously, in Dublin. I went to college for hotel management and catering. Oh. Graduated there, then went to London, worked in numerous hotels there for over six years. Um, then, eventually, got a green card, came to the states, and started working in numerous different Irish restaurants, in okay. DC, Paris Court Restaurant, Dubliner, and I. It's a real funny story, actually. This: everywhere I went, Sean Lynch had been before. <laughs> this is from London to the United States. So, in London, the hotel I worked at, Sean had just left a couple of months before, and I didn't even know him then. I arrive over here, ended up in the job in the Dubliner. Sean had just left there and went to Massachusetts, so we eventually then reconnected after that and discovered this story, which is a bit of a backstory to our relationship here.
1: You're not ready to leave, are you? No. Okay. No, we've
2: been working ever, together ever since then. So once we started here, and that's 23 years ago now.
1: Wow. Okay. So you've really got some deep roots in the hospitality industry there as well. So, and, and I'm assuming you do as well, Sean.
2: Yeah. I started working Cork
3: um, in actually a castle, Blackrock Castle, and. Uh, that was a restaurant part. It was run by a hotel and then moved to the hotel. Then I moved to London, to London Tara. And then I worked there for about two and a half years. And then a friend of mine was working for a small New England chain. And I came over on contract with them. It was actually out in Martha's Vineyard. And then uh, eventually moved down to D.C. Ah. And that's where I met Michael, working in the Powers Court, And uh, worked there for a number of years in a Dubner. And um, then moved on to another hotel. And um, then went back to work with Michael and Anthony in uh, the four provinces in Falls Church. That was in like 96 or so. Okay. So then when we came down here, I followed him down eventually.
1: Uh, fantastic. Well, obviously actually, it, was it was Halloween. Was... <laughs> I always remember it was Halloween. It was a, actually day of moving down to Annapolis in 98. <laughs> Sounds like a fantastic move uh, for everybody uh, to be able to do this. And, and again, I mean, this, it blows my mind. I, this, you know, since you started this and you said 98, so I mean, we're 23. Mm-hmm. 23 years. Yeah, 23 years, which is uh, certainly something to thump your chest about, that's for sure, there. Well, again, we've got Galloway Bay. Second came Killarney House.
2: Killarney House came in 2001, so we, we spent three years here building a, a really strong base for what we wanted to do, you know, with our culture, with our team, with the type of menu and, and the offerings that we had, and the community involvement that we had. Um, Killarney House came by Michael was actually moving house And this restaurant went on fire The Spring House And um, we ended up talking to the owner Michael negotiated a lease And we eventually bought the building three years later And Killarney House was born in August of 2001 And then following that, that was Brian Barreau Up in Severna Park We had a little uh, digression there We went to Massachusetts to try it out And um, bought a property in 2004 Which became the Kinsale Inn Um, and we operated that for about seven years but the commute was a lot it was a different kind of market for us we ultimately sold that Uh, brian brew came in 2008 Um, it was a new build out our first new build out in a new um, kind of complex that was going up there in route two and and then we stayed with that for a considerable time uh, came back down to three units and then the owner of the Spring House, which is now a Killarney house, Bob Platt, we had, had a good relationship with. But he also owned a restaurant called Pirates Cove in Galesville. And we'd known him for a long time, entered into conversations with him. I didn't realize there them. was
1: a connection there. Yeah.
2: Um, so we had known him. Michael had been going down to Pirates Cove for dinner with his kids and stuff for years. So we knew the restaurant and we knew Bob. And Bob was looking to step back a little bit because he'd been doing it for 40 years himself. And we eventually signed a deal and took parts cover over in April of 2015.
1: Okay, well, I'll tell you, you know, what I I really like about the restaurants four restaurants, is they've all got a different, their own unique, different vibe. Uh, We're here in Galway Bay, and this is an old-time, you know, sort of a downtown pub. You go to Killarney House, and this is something that, you know, as you're maybe driving to an inn or a bed-and-breakfast or to a castle across Ireland... It's out I don't want to say In the middle of nowhere I mean nothing is in the middle Of nowhere where we are But in Davidsonville And it's It's like a pub That you would find Just someplace over there Brian Baru Is tends to be A little bit more Of a uh, urban uh, it, I mean obviously The decor is Very Very Irish And very pubbish, But it's It's more of an urban Type of a Environment And then Pirates Cove is just sort of
2: like the outlier there. It's, you know, it's not particularly Irish and yeah, it's, it's yeah. A life of its own down there. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't have the Irish influence down there, and they're all what's what's all different about them. is They're all different communities. We have different people that work in them that make that culture. They're all a little different, even though some of our people that work in the restaurants move from one to the other, like in Killarney House, they'll go to Pirates Cove for the summer and vice versa, come back. But you described the kind of demographic or the you know urbanization of where Brian Baru is and more countryside for Killarney, the collection of customers, we have some crossover between Killarney and Pirates Cove, and then we'll have some crossover between Brian Baru and Galway Bay, but a lot of them have their own nucleus of it. And that's what creates the atmosphere. That's what creates when you go in on a busy night and you see the, the, the regulars and the locals that come in to each one, they're all a little different in how they approach the entity. But that's what becomes the experience that we pride ourselves on building. And it takes a number of years to really build that and then to be able to recognize it when you come in on a busy Friday night.
1: Well, you guys have really worked yourself into the community. I mean, you were... Not just a a business that's opened up in a community. You are part of a community. And I know uh, I ride my bike up the B&A Trail and I take my life in my hands when I cross Ritchie Highway to get to Brian Baruch. But there's always something on the chalkboard about, you know, there's some baseball team or something or other that's having a fundraiser up there. And you do that everywhere. I know here in Galway Bay you play the trivia. um, And I'm going to draw a blank on the name. I'm thinking it might be Thursday nights. Tuesdays. Tuesday nights yeah and, it's on a bit of a hiatus right now yeah
3: uh but yes we've we've done that from you know uh seventeen eighteen years. I think uh, I'd have to ask Eric Pelticello
1: about that because he keeps track of it mm. but it, it intimidates it was, me i don't yeah. I don't play here because until your your people are very smart <laughs>
2: and I very here, competitive. I, abs- I absolutely get my ass kicked every time I don't mind, and if they don't like a question, they'll certainly tell Sean about it oh. <laughs> Trust
3: me, they say it might be a battle of wits, but sometimes there's other battles as well. Um, But but, but. but it it is on hiatus right now simply because um, of logistics, and um, we weren't able to obviously do it in the last year. And um, I'm looking to the fall to reintroduce it again. Uh, So that'll be another... uh, arrow in the quiver, if you like, of um, options for people to, to go out and to uh, have a good night. But uh, yeah, we're kind of looking forward to doing it, but I can't do it until we're ready to do it.
1: Right. Well, COVID really sort of gave, in a sense, it's a little bit of an opportunity for a reset button. I mean, obviously, it's a crappy opportunity that anybody wanted to have, but uh, you know, people can rethink about what they're doing. I was having a conversation with some friends last night saying that you know, and for most restaurants, I would have to think that the takeout business and the carry home was pretty insignificant two years ago. I mean, it was somebody that ordered a you know a, a great plate and said, "Oh, give me a doggy bag to take home or whatever it may be." And now it's it's becoming a thing, and I think that you're going to see restaurants moving forward have have realized that that's a part of their
2: business as opposed to just an ancillary thing. I think I think what, what COVID did obviously not discounting the amount of stress that had put our management teams under as well as the, the nucleus of staff that stayed with us and, and we continued to keep that group together, whether it be the back of house or the front of house but it posed us to make sure we thought about new opportunities, what can we do, what can we do to change our model that will work with what our restrictions are right now and obviously carry out was a big one, we turned Carnarney House's parking lot into a drive through and it based it on a Chick-fil-A philosophy of get the cars in and out as quickly as you can. And we changed to handheld units. We changed the menu so you could drive up and order if you wanted to, or you could order online. And that happened within about two weeks of being closed. So that dynamic of changing to that model was huge. And then we ended up closing down for a month voluntarily just because at that particular time, nobody really knew what the answers were. People were worried and concerned, and we felt that it was best to just take a break, stop and then regroup again. In the meantime we still met and planned what we would do, what we had to change to do more carry out, what we had to change the kitchen, how it worked, how we worked our phones and how we worked online ordering. And that has continued through and I think we've become very good at it compared to Paddy's Day on two thousand and nineteen, which was a disaster in many ways because we only had two days' notice to switch the
0: <laughs> Right,
1: Right, right. Your biggest next, day of the year, we'd already planned
2: for the biggest day of the year and then had to do an immediate turnabout to do carry-out. And the numbers were outstanding, but we weren't ready for it and we weren't designed for it. No. <laughs> but this year, we did a fantastic job at all the restaurants, um, from carry-out to online pickup and had, you know, curbside delivery. All of that came into play, and, and we've become very good at it now. Well, a and lot of he, what
3: he, had, uh, he had mentioned it with the online ordering. We had tried to do that about four years ago, five years ago, and it just didn't take off. And now it's a case nice. where everybody is automatically looking at restaurants and see if they have online ordering to make it easier for themselves. They have instead of just Chinese and pizza, now you've got everything that's around. That's and bit. we
2: chose not to go with the Grubhub or the DoorDash model. Right. We went with our direct customers Good. and our link to them. And once they use the app on the phone or their computer, it's in there. So their information is really easy and it's right. very user friendly. And then they just reorder the cards in there, everything.
1: Well, I've got to say, of, of all the restaurants in the area and uh, you guys, I mean, the key to, I think, your success through this whole thing was communications. I mean, to the point, it was uh, it was crazy. It was like, okay, and, and obviously the, the rules coming out of, you know, State Circle were crazy, but it was, you know, okay, hey, we're, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be opening these hours. We're shortening these hours and everything else. And I briefly touched the base on you being in part of the community, but your employees, your staff or family, too. Oh yeah, um, and this is—I mean, I know—I know for years you've always closed each restaurant in the summer for a summer party. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I, you don't want, don't want to close all four of them at once. That's—I I get that—that's a business decision. But hey, we're closing Pirates Cove. Hey, we're closing Galway, and we're going to party
2: uh, the day. So we've scheduled that for this year. We did not do one last year because we couldn't. Right. It was prevented, and you couldn't have groups of that size. So we did—we forego, forewent the annual picnic but we've been doing that for maybe 14 years now it's some form of other and now it's taken on this form of a summer picnic Um, and we'll be closing all the restaurants on july 6th um, to hold that event this year and it's really just for us to take a moment together as we've re-employed everybody and hired new people and and just, you know, thank the ones that have made it through with us sure. and changed and supported it. Well, and I, and I know when the big push was gift cards
1: and everything else during COVID, I don't want to be on COVID throughout this whole thing, but uh, you guys were also doing the, you know, you had the employee fund as well. And again, this is something, and way before this, uh, there was an employee of yours that had a, had a medical issue and there was, you know, a, an employee fund there. I know yeah. that Ray Weaver, who had had some issues that he was dealing with, you guys stepped up to the plate to really ask your customers, the rest of your family, your employees, uh, to step up. And, and the community does it. And that's because
2: you are a part of the community. They were very generous to our employees throughout this. The employee fund and we had a community fund as well where we turned that money around into meals for first responders. The hospitals, we did Anne Arundel, we did uh, Baltimore, Washington, um, the fire department, we did the police department. So any of that money that came in for community, because people wanted to do stuff as well, and the restaurants were the avenue to be able to turn that into a meal for somebody. We participated in Feed Anne Arundel right. as well. Yep. So a lot of that downtime where we weren't open to the public and doing carry-out, we were able to keep the kitchen people working, providing food, making meals, and then delivering them. So that, that worked tremendously well, and it was a, a great way to be able to participate in the community even though you were closed down
3: and we did coordinate meals uh, too for the staff as well for their families um but the customers they were you know they just really stepped up i mean there was one group from the academy uh teachers um they did uh they came by and gave an envelope they asked us to split it up between the staff and uh take care of some people once we finally opened up with about eight or $900 in it. Right. Um, a phenomenal amount of money just from one small group. But, yes, yeah, there were people um, buying gift certificates from all over the country from us online um, and then donating to the fund and buying a gift certificate for themselves. Um, so there was a lot of goodwill out there, which, um, you know was uh, very gratifying and humbling to see because there were some people who would, you know, when we were looking at the address from where they were, they were customers from like years ago. They were uh, had been restationed across the country for whatever reason, some in the military, some not. But they remembered where they had uh, been or, you know, what this place meant to them and that they were still concerned after a number of years. And that well, get- was the
2: astonishing part about it and it really felt good to be part of that and to recognize what people thought of of what we created as such and the people that were in it. Well, it is. I mean, it speaks volumes to sit
1: there and say that somebody had an experience at one of your restaurants that touched them to the point that they may be living in San Diego or something like that. That says, hey, you know, I may get back to Annapolis sometime soon. I'm going to buy a gift card. And, uh, you know, it might be 30 years down the line and they're going, what is this antique? And it was, you know, but it was it was great. Well, I'll tell you one question that's been burning at me. And I mean, I love I love your menu. You guys change up your menus. I love that the menu is not the same anywhere you go. Um, except one in common is this old Dexter Burger, uh, and I will say that now that the Eptide is gone, rest in peace. Without a doubt, that is the best burger in an Apple. So I have to and in and, and, and Davidsville, London.
2: <laughs> so I have to you know bring up Steve Hardison's names who we started working with when we took over Pirates Cove. And Pirates Cove allowed us to experiment so much more. Michael's food knowledge is huge. He drives the menu. Um, and when we're inside the Irish restaurants, we have certain parameters. We always have the Irish favorites are consistent throughout all the, the three Irish properties, shepherd's pie, fish and chips, everything like that. But the Parts Cove opportunity allowed us to experiment a lot more, Michael to push his brain a bit more and creative. And then Steve Hardison as a partner um, with our company now. He he runs all of the, m- the menu items for the three restaurants here. And we have a separate chef up in... Um, Brian Brew, Preston Gunther, who operates that one, but Steve's knowledge and creativity—we would just have a discussion about something that was Irish to us. Steve would listen, and then he'd come up with a product like smashed peas. You know, we were talking about mushy peas. You know, and he comes up with this that becomes a great menu item. People love it, Um, and it connected our Irish heritage on meals and stuff that we would experience. You know, curry. Curry chips, you know, that's a big one for us at home, even though people wonder why curry is synonymous with Irish food. but um, So all credit to Steve, he's able to create the menu items. He's able to source them, like the Dexter burger you mentioned. Right. That was an Irish bred breed, so we couldn't get Irish beef for it. He was able to source and find farm that reared, or reared Irish uh, Dexter, Dexter cattle. cattle. Um, which is a type of breed known, commonly found in Ireland. Okay. And it's the fat content of it. It's the um, it's a small animal, about 600 kilograms.
3: Um, oh, there you go with that work whole metric animal.
1: stuff there. There's, there's, there's these guys from across, yeah. across the ocean.
3: <laughs> okay, about 1,200 pounds. Okay. <laughs> but it's uh, bred up in Westminster, um, Evermore Farms. They're local. Um, it is a work animal, but it's perfectly um, it's reared on grass, which is one of the main things about it too. And it, it translates that into great flavor in the meat itself. And uh, Steve sourced it and went, met with them, and uh, we've been dealing with them for a few years now. And um, it, it comes across, and it is just an excellent uh, product. It, it, it tastes great. It's and the meat, it's,
2: the sauce, yeah, the lettuce. So what, everything. What is, in what's it? the sauce? Uh, you'd have to ask Steve. That oh. <laughs> subtle, subtle. Yeah, well, that's, that's, what, that's what makes. That's what makes a great chef. He's able to combine those flavors into a product that, when you you take a bite of it, it it's 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 got all the parts, you know.
1: It it I'll tell you the signature sauce is is really good. First time I had it was at Killarney and I was thrilled when normally I'll get a I I don't do seafood, so I mm-hmm. you know, I'm probably in the wrong place when I go down to Pirates Cove, but I mean I your steaks down there are great in the prime ribbon. And, and usually I get that and I say, Oh, they got that burger and they, it's just called a little bit different. It's the signature burger down there I think in the five forty seven.
2: Yeah, it's well which five, is Five eighty four, yeah, in Killarney. Yeah, yeah. So we changed the name slightly, but it's similar. Yes, it's,
1: it's, well, I noticed. I said, "Oh, I need, to, I need to get this again." So that's uh, it, it was a welcome addition when I got down to uh, to Pirates Cove, for sure. Yeah, the um, pork ribeye is not a very good one if you're not, yeah. a, if you're not into the fish side of things. <laughs> Just before COVID, you guys also up here at Galway Bay renovated, and you installed a, uh, I guess maybe in a brilliant sense of timing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know, but you uh, got a wonderful whiskey bar. And July in 2018,
3: um, uh, yeah, we closed down. It was brought over from Ireland. Uh, there was a long, you know, litany into it, but uh, we have to recognize the fact that they, it was just done in a week. They, they worked 12 days or 12 sorry, 12 hours a day from a Monday um, through to the Friday. We opened up that Friday, but um, it was a long germination period, if you like, of uh, recognizing that our business was changing here, and we needed to adapt and um, the way the whiskey market has changed in Ireland and internationally uh, for that uh, was a, a way of going forward. We saw the opportunity it was it took about a year to decide you know we we decided we first moved walls away in the front to expose our dining room a lot more, and then Michael and Anthony decided that the way forward was to go all the way and put a new bar and restaurant if you like new dining room together
1: well without a doubt it's probably the it is the best selection of whiskey what's what's the difference between whiskey with an E and whiskey without an E spelling <laughs> is, is that it? I mean I, mean, is, that's it, it, it. I, I didn't uh, know whether it was like a Scottish Irish it thing is a Scottish thing.
3: Irish whiskey has an E in it and Scottish whiskey doesn't oh. um, some of the other you know Canadians some of them do and some of them don't um, so that's just that's just a typographical thing.
1: I didn't know if I'd like to get some ticked-off Irishman. By, with the, <laughs> no, it's, it's when you say that
3: uh, the the Scots taught us, it, It's like, no, the Irish taught the Scots how to bake the whiskey.
2: So Sean's definitely the whiskey expert here. He's a connoisseur on which ones we have and has built up the type of flights that we offer here as right. well, which has become part of, synonymous now with Galway Bay, and we even won the award for... Um, greatest Irish whiskey, whiskey award, experience. Right? It was an international award and we won for the Americas, but I think it was the only category that anybody could have for that kind of experience. We'd also planned to do this in Killarney House um, in 2020. Um, obviously, due to put- COVID, we had to postpone it and we even tried to get it back on the calendar for this year, but because of it coming from Ireland, we couldn't even get them into the country, and at this point, it looks like we'll be pushing it off to twenty twelve. Oh, we, we've just talked to so
1: many people about the the supply chain and just getting things, and it's it's just oh, yeah.
2: so the company that does this and created this for us are excellent about you know when we had our conversations and we played around with a few things, they figured out you know exactly what the best design was for what we could do with this space, and it, I had to I say it was. Even from day one when we opened, it just took off and has been building ever since, up until the time of COVID, obviously. But I think it'll certainly be back. We're well known for the whiskeys, definitely in town. And I think even on the East Coast, we've yeah. one of the largest selections of Irish whiskeys of any pub. And yeah.
3: Especially, we are in a, what they call, you know, we're a small market in So. The some of the whiskies that I get, I've had to you know sort of wrestle for, uh, because we're not these They're earmarked for places like DC, New York, Boston, larger markets. Um, they don't realise sometimes that uh, smaller markets can sell their product just as well as the the bigger markets. So um, it was, it still is a, a constant uh, effort to try and just get new new product in, uh, because of the licensing laws and the way things are. Uh, set around, you can only buy what's available for sale, so it can be on sale in DC, and then it's a logistics thing for a company to get stuff into Maryland, and so um, it's definitely a case where I have to keep working on all these reps to, you know, like, I know this is on the market in DC, can you get it for me here? It's, uh, It's fun to get the stuff in, because there's so much interest in whiskies in general, but certainly Irish whiskies have just exploded from when we were first year, in 98 there was only three distilleries and now it's about 36 so there's a lot more product coming on the market a lot more inventive
2: stuff coming on the market and um, pretty soon we won't have a bar big enough to hold all the stuff (laughs) and and the flights that we that we created and sean spent a long time pairing them allow the customer now to you know you don't have to come in and have a shot of each one you can get three you know smaller measures but you get them to compare with notes about what they are, and obviously Sean's usually available to, and to expand really taste, on them.
1: To you know, really find out. Yeah, and
2: you get a tasting experience, them. and that's what's driven our, our sales in whiskey. Irish whiskeys have, you know, We're tremendously drinking. increased yeah. because of that. Yeah, the
3: the interest, uh, you know, people come in and they say, like, I've heard this and I've heard this, and it's like, what's the difference? And it's like, it's fun to educate people, and we have, you know, books there behind the bar that people can look at, and we have tasting notes on all the whiskeys, but we do. Uh, but it is um, the, the level of interest has increased greatly, and it's just a matter of enjoyment and appreciation for something which is well made. Again, it comes back to an experience. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it is an experience. I mean, when you go to one of your restaurants, I mean, it's it's more than just okay. I need a plate of food or a you know a beer, and I'm out of here.
3: There are very different characteristics in all four of them. Uh, one of the most notable for Galway, apart from the whiskey, is the fact that we don't have TVs. And on a lot of our that's a, social, that's a,
1: that's, a, that's a great notable.
3: Yes, well, it's, it's very noticeable on our social media, on our reviews and stuff. People comment on us a lot once they realize it themselves. Because I don't know how many times I've talked to people here, and. Then I just happened to mention, you know, well, we don't have TVs. And they said, that's it. You know, it's like they didn't realize that we didn't have TVs because they were talking to each other and and everything else. Makes uh, people talk to one another. Yeah, (laughs) and they were talking to other people. And it's like, yeah, that's right. You know, you don't have TVs. But Peru has TVs and Kalani has TVs, but in different numbers. And they're not all all the time. But like you said earlier, the menus, there are certain things in the air which are similar core Dishes, but then they have their own differences. Uh, different crowd in Peru and Killarney and, and, and Galway uh, and Paris Cove. Um, it's understanding that there are differences and there's characteristics, and then just um, you know playing to the strengths.
1: Right, and, and live music. You have live music at all places, yep. um, varying nights of the week, and uh, we're
3: looking to get our traditional sessions back on the market here. Uh, we're talking to Peter Bryce again who organizes those uh, to try and get those back in session again we used to do them on Wednesday nights um, we'll probably have to pick a different night in the future but uh, we're trying to get those back on, on track again so right. it'll be another reason to come out on a weeknight if you like but uh, a- another return of normality
2: and to yeah. g- explain what it, people may not understand what an Irish session is but in Irish pubs in all over the country, it was always a couple of customers that come in and somebody would bring in a baron, somebody would bring in a fiddle, somebody would bring in a pipe and whatever. And then they just sit in the corner drinking a few pints and then they start playing, you know, and that's, that's what it feels like. And Peter Bryce has put together a group of musicians. We never know who's coming or not coming or whatever. And they just sit down in the corner of the bar and then just play. Well, do you know,
1: um, you know, Jen with Dublin Vive? Yeah. Uh, got her, I'll say, got her start at Killarney.
2: Yeah, 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 with, yeah uh,
1: that's when, right. When, uh, <laughs> when Ray was playing, he says, oh, I play the fiddle. She went home and got it and came back. That's right. I was there that night. Right. And it was like, yeah. there it was. So that's, uh... that's what
2: happens. And they're the best ones. And 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 Ray Weaver does things like that, too. And musicians just come in and yeah, jam young with Yeah, the girl with the pipes. Uh, she comes yeah. in and plays with him. Yeah, yeah. Um... Are the Irish History Dinners returning? The Irish History Dinners was a concept we started, you know, building up our month of Irish awareness um, and other towns like Newport do a lot of Irish heritage during the month of March. So that was an idea, a concept we came up with to promote Irish history and, you know, education. People ask me all the time about different stuff, and I recommend certain books. And we love stories about, you know, Irish history and our heritage from there. But it was a great way. And the, and I did that this with... that uh, was Art Dre, right? Art Dre, yes, who was a historian, and he actually taught Irish history in community college. So he was the perfect person to deliver it, and it worked very well. But I have been unsuccessful in finding another historian that likes to present like that. So if any of your listeners know of anybody, please give me a call. I'd love to start it up again, but it needs somebody that has that kind of articulate ability to be able to describe Irish history in, in particular subjects as well.
1: Interesting. Back in 2013, you had Guy Fieri come in here and do his diners, drive-ins, and Dives. dives. Was that a good experience or a bad one?
2: It was phenomenal. It was stressful business pers- for a sword. It, it, it
3: was uh, business wise. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, the good. Follow- yeah, it was actually. You know, he filmed in November of 2011 and aired in February of 2012, which was the only time where we ever had a television in Galway Bay that night that it aired, and then they were taken out the following day. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, that following year, once that aired there was a noticeable rise in sales in cabbage wraps and fried oysters and corned
1: beef and cabbage. Um, It's funny because I've heard... Pluses and minuses on that. Other times, it's like the, it's the most disruptive thing you could possibly imagine. They're rearranging the kitchens, and the you know the staff doesn't know where the tables are anymore. Well, there are. I mean, there was a movie filmed in
3: here as well. You know, uh, Better uh, Better Living. Uh, Better Living Chemistry. Yeah, yeah right. and they were here on the street, but they filmed some scenes in here too. That was even that was more disruptive because it took over the entire place. When he was here, actually, I wasn't here that week. Um, but uh, I know that they filmed in the kitchen and in in outside. But it wasn't as disruptive as a
2: as a movie. We closed. We closed for like three days, I believe, two and a half days. But also had a you know invited guests in for one of the sessions where he filmed. So it was. It was. I, I found it a good experience. And once it released, and it still comes back still on comes there, back every now and then. Every we, now and again, in particularly in March, they'll throw it on, and we'll get a pop. And people follow it all over the country. They, right. Yeah,
3: they 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 go to places wherever they're traveling to. They'll look on their DDDs. App or whatever, and they will see where he went. So even like years later, you'll get people referring
2: to it and uh, say, "Well, so when was he here?" What? What I like about Guy Fury is he targeted small restaurants. You know, these are not corporate chains that he does all over the country, and the ones that he does hit really benefit from it.
1: You know, that's one of the things that I've always really sort of focused on with what I'm doing. Is I don't have a lot of love for the Best Buys and the Nordstroms and the Macy's, and because uh it business the world our economy here in Annapolis and Anne County really starts on Main Street and it, I don't mean the one over there with the brick potholes uh, we'll talk about the stone one here with the potholes on Maryland Avenue or West Street or anything like that it is the small businesses that are the life you know really the lifeblood of the community and I mean that's that's exactly what you guys you guys are as well I've
3: seen that here on Maryland Avenue of all the streets you know the, there's such a been such a change from when we first came. There was a lot of antique stores and um, you know things like that, and it's changed now. And you know uh, it is evolved, I suppose. You say at times um, now it's very eclectic. You got a barber shop, you got a pub, you got um, a hairdresser's next to us, you got an antique store, you got couple of home decorating stores. There's going to be a deli going in. You have a, an old record store, right, across got, the Street. Got tattoo shop. You got a, Ooh. you got a, a clothing tailor's, You got a fitness guy. You got um, investment counseling. You know, you've got quite
1: the, quite the uh, the street. Maryland Avenue is really kind of a, I, I don't, I hate to say it's a hidden gem, but it's it's really a very cool street. I mean, Main Street. Uh, as much as everybody loves it, I mean, it, it is geared toward tourists. I remember way back when I first moved here, I came that close to buying Reynolds Tavern, talked to Harvey Blonder, mm. who said it'll never do anything well. Uh, this is a people come up Main Street, they hit the church, and they go back down Main Street. And that's, that's their visit of Annapolis. Uh, so the only thing you're going to do is get uh, lucky convicts that got
2: out of jail and lawyers. We looked at it as well. Uh, but It was a unique building. Yeah. Um But Maryland Avenue, just to go back to Maryland Avenue for a little bit, it is it is the local street. It it it, it has that kind of environment, you know, whether it's, well, just it's the, the, the locals doing you got, the laundry. Living
1: upstairs. We have a lot of John oh, students
2: yeah. that live upstairs and sometimes like B next door here has been living here for thirty years upstairs. So we've different you have property owners, you have tenants, and we have businesses. Um, now I'll take this opportunity to talk about a project we're working on for Maryland Avenue, and I've been spearheading it now since we started even before COVID, which is a, a display of umbrellas. It's called Umbrellas in the Sky, or Umbrella Sky for short. They did that
1: in Madrid?
2: They have about 42 around the world. Okay. Um, there are two two or three in the United States, one in Carl Gables in Florida, and there's one in Pennsylvania. Um, Madrid, Bar- um, Barcelona, I think. Puerto Rico, um, Paris. Portugal, Brazil, um, even in Ireland. So I've visited some in Paris and two in Ireland. Um and it involves a whole cable system across from each building, and then we suspend all these colorful umbrellas um, in the air, you know, 17 feet up. Um, so we're working our way through, and we need the participation of all the building owners as well as the businesses. The businesses support it tremendously, and then I'm working my way through the building owners to allow us to put that suspended. We have one up right now. And we've been through uh, historic preservation, and we've worked through all the details. So I'm hoping to get it up this year. Um, if not, definitely for next year.
1: That's, uh, I mean, uh, talk about it as I look through the stained glass windows at the back of Galway Bay. But, I mean, it's going to be bringing a ton of color to the avenue. To the, the yeah. Yeah.
2: And an attraction for the street, for the businesses that are here. It's been known or are shown to increase traffic, foot traffic. It becomes another one of the 10 or 12 things that you get to do in Annapolis. Sure. So everybody that comes for tours wants to do the Naval Academy, City Dock. And know, we're going you take need a picture to of Maryland create. With the yeah, yeah. you need to create these different things and dynamics around the city for people to enjoy. It's it a lovely also, shade, lovely colored shade in the summertime. Space.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was gonna say. I mean, I, you talk about shade. I mean, just this past weekend, they had the first festival up at the fairgrounds for the Wing Festival, and it was brutal. Uh, I mean, I didn't expect summer to come in quite, like, quite like it did this week, but it's, it, it, does get warm here. That's a brilliant idea, and hopefully, hopefully, that comes to. Um, fruition because i know that the merchants down on market space were looking because when they're going to disrupt city dock and everything else they're looking to do something similar with converting that space between the market house and the restaurants and putting some kind of a shade over
2: that which should be uh
1: yeah they're looking for different but, types of owners but the, the the color would be beautiful I mean, yeah and I,
2: it'll be an annual event It'd, it wouldn't stay up permanently it'll just be for 90 days and um, provide that attraction during the summertime
1: you have a, a, a hanging of the umbrellas day.
3: Yeah, and then use the same things uh, over the last couple of years. Now the, the uh, Christmas time lights are uh, really special. They're really nice just on this you guys, narrow street. You guys,
1: did an incredible job this 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 Christmas time, this holiday. I, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk. We're talking about holidays here, but I mean, you've, all, you've got this whole fifth store, if you will, but uh, your eggnog.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's uh, an um, we didn't know what would happen last year when we, we you know we commit to the order coming over from Ireland. It's made in Ireland, in County Cavan, uh, by a distillery. So it's there. not made in Hoboken. No, sure <laughs> <here> isn't. <in laughs> County Cavan, and that's the difference with it because it's re- made with real Irish cream. So Irish cream's a lot different than the United States, you know, because of the fat content of the beef that's over there or the cattle. So uh, it wasn't good for my diet. No. Definitely not. <laughs> Don't ask me about calories. So we won't go into that. But it 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 did very well, considering that we weren't really open for traffic. And our biggest months to sell are October, November, and December. But people still came back looking for that. And we're in we're in multiple liquor stores now. It's growing every year, um, and our aim is to have it throughout Maryland, uh, and then ultimately, hopefully, nationwide one day. And another great combination was is a hookup that we.
3: Um have made with Annapolis ice cream on Main Street. They are making uh, an eggnog ice cream for us and you can't get it at their store because you have to be 21 to... To eat it. Because
1: they don't have the liquor license. That's right. They
3: don't have a liquor license, no, but it is uh, really, really good. And we sell it in to go containers, you know, so you can have it out as a dessert here, but if somebody wanted to buy some to take away, they can do that too. But they've done an excellent job on uh, making up this ice cream. It, I did notice that very this past bubbler. year, and uh, I did
1: not get a chance to sample it. Now, do you guys have your ice cream license here?
3: We, <laughs> If we could sell it uh, right now, I mean, we get emails and calls every winter uh, from people who have been in. Uh, to Annapolis. I uh, one guy actually this past winter who came down, drove down from Michigan uh, to get six boxes for himself and his brother and he was taking two for his brother. He was going back up to Michigan and then flying to Seattle to his brother and bringing two cases out there. Wow. Uh, they, they had been down on a visit so a number that's of years ago. For you. Yeah. He had been down on a visit about three to four years ago and bought some and took it back and they were just converted. But I've gotten emails and calls from people all around the country asking if we can ship, and, you know, it's not up to us. We can't do that.
1: Right, right. I'll tell you, the eggnog is some of the best eggnog I've ever had. Um, You know, barring like my grandmother's homemade recipe at Christmas that you're ladling out or something. Mm -hmm. Because you've got to always defer to grandma. But
2: uh, it's it's fantastic. What is the shelf life on that, just out of curiosity? Somebody asked me that. If it's it's unopened, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be refrigerated. And it's good for up to about two years. The only change that really happens with it is the alcohol gets a little bit stronger. um, So the subtleness of it appreciates over time. But it's still good. Once you open it, refrigerate and use within about six months. Okay. Not bad. Not bad there. Well, there you go. You've got
1: Galway Bay. You've got Killarney House, which is up in Davidsonville. You've got Brian Beru up in Saberna Park. And you've got Pirate's Cove down in Galesville, which is deceivingly not that far away. It sounds so far away, but it's not. It's you can From downtown Annapolis, you can be there in 25 minutes. And it's worth every mile of the drive to go down there. Uh, nothing else for the view. Uh, if it's not too oppressively hot, get out on the uh, deck and dine uh, literally over the water, and um, head over to the dock bar, which is uh, right next. That's right next door. I mean, it's just sort of like a offshoot of the restaurant, which is uh, fantastic. When winter rolls around, you want to make sure you get a hold of your eggnog. And the websites you want to do is you want to get on the email list from the restaurants because they do put out their weekly entertainment. Uh, certainly, uh, they hopefully will never, ever have to put out that whole, okay, we're closed, we're open, we're closed, we're open, like they did during COVID. But uh, you want to go to GalwayBayMD.com, KillarneyHousePub.com, com, and PiratesCoveMD.com. And there are no medical doctors involved in any of those two, right? That's just yeah. <laughs> just Andy from Ireland. Sort of put you guys on the spot. Take off your general manager's hat, on and you're walking into your choice of one of these four restaurants. Mm. You're looking at the menu. What do you order? Oh. I guess it would just depend on the time of the day
3: of what, what you're looking for. I mean, I've had pretty much, I've had everything on our menu. Um, it just, and actually the, the one, the menu we had pre-COVID was, even better than the one we have right now, I think. Uh, what Steve has done with the menu over the last while, and Michael um, would put us on a par with any restaurant anywhere in whatever level. But he's introduced us to a lot of flavors and tastes. It just really depends on what you want to do, what you want to have. Um, the fish and chips and the shepherd's pie are our top two sellers year-round. You'll never go wrong with them. I love the ahi, Sudai tuna steak that we had which had a tuggarashi seasoning, which is not something you hear in Irish restaurants all the time, and then had a salad with a blood-orange vinaigrette dressing, which is, again, not something you hear about, about in Irish restaurants. Um, the the appetizers, the, the pork belly and other things, uh, you're kind of spoiled for choice in a lot of ways. The flavors, I, I can attest to, are excellent. Um, I love the salmon dish, um, kind of reared on salmon in Ireland. It was one of the proper seafood dishes, and then you went down from there. But uh, you put me on a
2: spot, and I just can't say one thing. Yeah, this doesn't
1: help me too much. Yeah. <laughs>
3: what
2: about but you? The, you but the, the idea of the Galway Bay and the, and, you know, the type of um, customer we have here during the summer or late at night and the different kind of groups and the menus, it leans more now in a design towards shared plates. So you can still have your entrees, your favorite. Mine particularly? Yeah. I was like the Irish country breakfast. You know, I don't eat it all the time, but there's a lot of mornings I'll come in here and say that's my deal. That's what I want. But Are the you a shared plates? Guy? Not really. They're not no. really okay. But it the all-day breakfast, we call it. So in Ireland, that's what you, if you ever go on vacation to Ireland, that's what they'll give you every single day you're there. Right. Um, it's almost so like it's a sizzle tradition. batter in a Chinese restaurant because when you walk by, it's got so many odors and aromas. A lot, of, a lot of protein and some egg in there. So you don't eat it often, all the time, but it is one of my favorite. But the shared plates idea, that's what works with the younger crowd here as well. And we get a lot of wedding receptions coming after, and then they can pick a bunch of things, have it all out. So you get to taste. You get to taste different dishes all in the same setting. So that's what works great. We'd just like to um, thank our customers over this last very trying year and our community um, for their support and their patience with how we've adjusted um, throughout um, going into being part of COVID and then now coming out. And we also have plenty of positions still available for people looking for careers in a good restaurant company. And we're a company and we look for growth, but we can't do it without people.
1: You know, and and again, I'll I'll go back onto that. And at the point when you put out the email said, hey, we're going to be closing some of our restaurants on Mondays and Tuesdays because we can't get the staffing. And, And hopefully that's coming to an end fairly soon. And people are getting out and realizing that they can get out and they can work safely. And the vaccines are flowing and everything else. But it speaks to the integrity of your company to be able to sit there and say, "Okay, we're going to give up profits for the, and I don't want to use the term lightly, but the mental health of our family slash employees that are working for us. Because you know, running a restaurant is not easy.
2: And I mean, uh, you know, under the best of times, you're, you're busting your ass. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it, it really was pressure on our management teams, our, our servers that may have been working doubles and our kitchen employees that were working long doubles. And with, as soon as the relaxation of um, restrictions happened, so you have an onslaught of people That want to experience and get back into restaurants, so you have that, you know, crash of demand and not enough supply to get back. so we did make that decision, and you're dead right. We made it for the health of our staff, so that being able to close for a day, regroup, regain some energy, and then go into the next week recharged, rather than draining everybody out. Too much,
1: And then the other thing, too, is that, I mean, you, when you get a staff that's overworked like that, I mean, you, you run, run the risk of having some say, OK, great, here's your beer. I'm out. No, exactly. You know, and, and that's not the experience that you get here. The
3: thing is, and I remember when we had this conversation on the 16th of March when we shut down, was um, our staff are willing. We've had people here from the very day we opened who are still here, um, or within I think half a dozen staff who are here 16 or more years, or of- 23 years from the start they were more than willing to put themselves, when we didn't know enough about COVID, uh, they were willing to put themselves here and working, even though they weren't sure about their safety, if you like. And that was a tremendous commitment and willingness on their part. And it was like, it's something you just can't, you just don't get overnight, but also you can't just accept them and and put them in danger, if you like, you know? So they were, and then when we finally opened up again, they were like, can we come back to work? We want to come back to work. You know, it means so much to them. Um, So that, you know, you, you can't thank them enough for that, but you also have to kind of
1: protect them at the same time from those things. Absolutely. Anybody that's listening, get to one of the places. Galway Bay here on Maryland Avenue in the heart of downtown Annapolis. You've got Killarney House up on Central Avenue in Davidsonville. And you've got Brian Baru, which is on northbound Ritchie Highway, just past ah, the Starbucks and the McDonald's and stuff like that. And the, yeah. um there like that. And then Pirate's Cove down in Galesville on – go down Muddy Creek Road, hang a left on Galesville Road. Uh, Dean Rosenthal's got a song about that, past the funeral home. When you hit the water, go left and – you can't, you can't miss it there. My go-to obviously is the Dexter burger when you come in and it's uh and I'm I'm pleased to know about the beef and the story behind that. And when winter when rolls around, man, make sure you get a bottle or two or a case of the eggnog. Anthony Clark Galway Bay there. Actually the Irish Restaurant Company is the corporate name of this who is the co-owner along with Michael Galway. And Galway is name is it name for Michael or is it name for the town or do we it was a bit of, it out? was
2: a bit of both at the time obviously Michael's leadership at the time his last name's Galway and then when we all kind of came around Annapolis you know we think of Galway Bay and you know the idea of creating a name for an Irish pub all the time was either is it going to be a place or is it going to be uh, somebody from history like Brian Boru Brian Boru was a, a national figure in Ireland way back. Um, so that's where Galway Bay was born from. So a combination of Michael's last name and Galway Bay, the place.
1: Okay, so it worked out, worked out pretty well. Yeah. All four places, nobody can go wrong when you go there. Um, I appreciate the history. I think you've got to come in here, check out some of the flights of the Irish whiskey with the E. And Sean Lynch, thank you very much for your time. Anthony Clark, thank you very much for your time this morning. I, I can't wait to get back here for some
0: dinner. Thank you very much, I'm Happy to have you. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight.